This is the Read Your Bible Podcast, the daily podcast designed to help you understand and apply the scriptures. Nothing will grow your relationship with Jesus Christ more than studying the Bible for yourself. I'm your host, Drew Tankersley, and for the next few moments, I want to invite you to join me as we dive into God's Word together. We'll ask God to help us see what He wants us to see so that we can be who He wants us to be. We're reading from Genesis chapter 15 today, and I'm going to begin reading in verses number 13 down through verse 17. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know this for certain. Your offspring will be resident aliens for 400 years in a land that does not belong to them and will be enslaved and oppressed. However, I will judge the nation they serve, and afterwards they will go out with many possessions. But you will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation they will return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and it was dark, a smoking pot or a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch appeared and passed between the divided animals. In Genesis fifteen, once again we see the glorious image of God's faithfulness displayed in vivid and extravagant detail. Fresh off the heels of Abraham's refusal to take the spoils of the victory won by God in rescuing Lot from the civil war that his foolishness had trapped him in, God comes to Abraham in a vision and tells him, Don't be afraid, for I am your shield, and your reward will be very great. It could have been that Abraham feared the repercussions of what he had just done. There were, after all, five nations who could have come against him. After God promises him a great reward, Abraham's frustration gets the best of him. He's waited on God's promises, he's walked by faith, at least some of the time, and now he's a little irritated with God that he hasn't been that he hasn't given him an heir just like he promised. Waiting on God can be terrifically difficult. I mean Abraham's old and his wife isn't getting any, getting any younger, he struggles out loud, and he begins to try to figure out God's plan on his own, asking if Eliezer of Damascus, his slave, would be his heir. What God does next is nothing short of incredible, because he gives him a glimpse of the future, saying that his heirs will become as numerous as the stars in the sky. Then God tells him to do something kind of macabre. He was to take a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. He was supposed to cut them all in half and lay the carcasses out in two rows. There was so much carnage that the Bible tells us that the birds of prey were after the carcasses, and Abraham spent the early afternoon hours shooing away the birds from eating all the carnage that he had just created because God had him cut these animals in half and lay them in a row. Well, just what was God up to? I mean, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, as the sun sets, Abraham falls asleep, and he has a dream. In that dream, God comes to him and tells him that his descendants would be slaves for 400 years in a land that wasn't theirs. 
and then they would be enslaved and and oppressed. Well, at the end of those 400 years, God would judge that nation that was enslaving them mightily for their oppression of God's people. Remember, God said in chapter 12 that he would bless those who blessed Abraham's family and curse those who cursed Abraham's family. Well, according to God's plan, at the end of 400 years, they would go out with many possessions. And in the fourth generation, they would return. At that time, And at that time, the iniquity of the Amorites would have reached its full measure. Now, what God just did in all of that was give Abraham a snapshot of the future that God would execute as he pulled back the curtains to reveal his perfect timing to Abraham. He was raising up Egypt at that very moment. God would work through the coming events, both good and bad, to execute his purpose. That meant that he would be amid Jacob's stealing of Esau's birthright and the craziness surrounding Jacob having 12 sons from four different women. God would be there in the pit with Joseph as his brothers concocted a plan to murder him, but instead sell him as a slave to Egypt. He would be with Joseph in prison, forgotten by the butler and the baker. But God was in the banquet hall when the brothers came not once, not twice, but three times into Joseph's presence, unbeknownst to them that Joseph was the ruler of the known world and that Joseph would show them mercy. He would bring that people to slavery and then hear their cries amidst their oppression. He would go on the backside of the desert and find a fugitive from justice named Moses after having murdered an Egyptian and speak to him in a bush and overcome all of his excuses in delivering God's people. He would bring about the plagues and part the waters on the way back home just like he promised that he would on this fateful night. When he got back home, it would be time to judge the Amorites for their iniquity. And in allowing Joshua to inhabit that land, he would simultaneously judge the sins of the Amorites. God saw all of this centuries in advance. So, while Abraham was complaining about God's timing, God was revealing just how perfectly accurate that timing would be for centuries in the future. It's somewhat like the questions that were posed by Job to God. How could Abraham even respond to such wisdom and precision and planning and forethought and power and majesty and glory? Then, as if that was not enough, Abraham sees a smoking pot and a burning fire pass through these carcasses that he has cut in half before he wakes up. Now, what a strange and incredible dream. What what was actually happening here was even more remarkable. You see, at that time, in Eastern culture, if individuals were to make a covenant like that, as a sign of the covenant, they would half the carcasses, just like God asked Abraham to do, and then they would pass around them in a circle in the symbol of, an, of infinity, symbolically saying that if, I, that if I don't do as I say in this covenant for the rest of my days, my life deserves to be slaughtered and cut into pieces, just as these animals did. Now, with all of that imagery in mind, 
see God who is himself forever binding to this covenant. Abraham's not invited to participate. He's asleep. And this is a unilateral covenant symbol and promises that God alone binds himself to as Abraham watches in amazement through his dream. Now listen, if Abraham needed a sign of God's provision and his faithfulness, boy, he sure got it that night. Now, as we think about applying these truths to our life, we we need to stop and think. It is natural for us to be frustrated at times with God's timing, just like Abraham was. We believe that God has forgotten us, or we feel that he has abandoned us. We've tried to do the right thing, at least like Abraham, some of the time. And we're frustrated when God doesn't do as we say when we snap our fingers. But do we really have the right to snap our fingers at a God with such wisdom and forethought in each part of his intricately designed and precisely ordered plans? God saw every day of those 400 years ahead of the Israelites. He knew every battle that they would face. He was already in that moment. So Abraham didn't really have the right to be frustrated at God's timing because it was perfect. And here's the deal. We don't have the right to be frustrated with it either. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 tells us that every one of God's promises is yes in Jesus. Therefore, through him we also say amen to the glory of God. That means that every promise is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He was the fulfillment of every promise, and in him we also say amen. Now, the word amen means, so let it be. So every promise that God made is fulfilled in Jesus, and it will be completed in time in our life as the amen. The distance between Jesus' fulfillment and our amen may be difficult for us, but we need to remember that God is bound to fulfill every promise through the covenant of his own character. He's not a God who will lie, and he's bound by his own nature to supply our needs when we put him first. If God was that intricate in accomplishing that promise made to Abraham, is he not the same God with the same character in our lives today? Is he not worthy of being trusted to fulfill that promise? Is he not worthy of our waiting on his exact timing at best? Or do we think that we know more than he does? When we snap our fingers in the face of God, we run the risk of being totally embarrassed. Thankfully, God's promises are not dependent on our faith, but on his character. Isaiah 48, 11 reads, I will act for my own sake. Indeed, my own, for how can I be defiled? I will not give my glory to another. God places his name on the line when he makes a promise and his glory will not be defiled by making a promise and then not keeping it. We are the ones that have the problem with impatience and we need to understand how incredibly foolish we look when we impetuously lash out at a God who has promised and is bound by his own nature to fulfill so much for us. It's pretty ridiculous to be frustrated with the only God who can rescue you. So let's pray together as we consider these things in our own life. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would increase our faith. 
Give us the courage to trust you in the waiting room. May it be said of us as it was said of Abraham in this chapter, that he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. How foolish we are to believe God for our eternal destiny, but to doubt you for our temporal provision. Help us to realize that the same God who holds our fate eternally controls our destiny tomorrow. And may we trust you and not foolishly presume upon your grace that you've bound yourself to us with. May our faith increase as we refuse to let our heart's impatience overshadow the anchor of our hope. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today for the Read Your Bible podcast. For show notes to today's episode, please visit readyourbible.info. While you're there, you can listen to past episodes as well as access a host of additional resources designed to help you grow in your faith. It's all there for you at readyourbible.info. That's readyourbible.info. For more information about South Seminole Baptist Church, just go to southseminole.com. Join us again tomorrow as together we help you learn to read your Bible.